if you were uh, here last week, or if you weren't here last week, we're uh, in a two-part look at uh, one of the more famous conversations that Jesus had with an individual in Nicodemus, uh, the Pharisee. And we're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning, if you want to begin making your way there in Scripture. We're going to begin in verse 16 and work our way to the end of this conversation in verse 21. Last week, just a reminder, we saw Jesus using a lot of Old Testament language when he was trying to get Nicodemus to understand the concept of being born again. Uh, he referred to uh, a lot of Old Testament passages and phrases, uh, but Nicodemus, nowhere in this conversation, seems to come to the understanding of being born again or being reborn uh, or the idea of having salvation through Christ alone. But what Jesus is trying to do and what he's presenting to us this morning is to present the enormous choice to which Nicodemus and us and all people must make concerning Jesus Christ and being born again, receiving salvation and the promise of eternal life. And we're a people who love choices, right? <clears throat> we, uh, we choose where we're going to eat after church this after, when we're done here in a little bit, not yet, but here in a little bit. We're going to choose whether we're going to go out to eat. We're going to choose whether we're going to go home and cook something or maybe scrounge up some leftovers. You know, every night, Jamie and I, after we put our kids to bed and we choose what we're going to watch, we're kind of on an office kick at the moment, but uh, we, we, we do make a choice. We do have a conversation, you know, what we're going to watch, whether it's a TV show or a movie or a documentary. You may be a, a streamer, and so you have choices on what sort of platform you're going to use. You're going to go to Netflix or Hulu or Disney Plus or Amazon Prime, or maybe you have a cable provider and you're going to go to that and, and then choose what channel you're going to watch or what programs you're going to watch. And, you know, it's crazy the amount of entertainment that we have a choice to do and, and, and to go with. You may uh, remember the good old days. I mean, when I was a kid, and I say good old days, when I was a kid, the, the biggest choice you had to make concerning TV was what was on TV. Is it bad enough to get off the couch and walk to the TV and change the channel physically? That was a big choice, wasn't it? Anybody remember having to make that choice? And then if you changed the channel, you also had to mess with the antennas to make sure it was going correctly. I mean, there wasn't all these things out there. I remember as a child thinking that our TV was like a thousand feet away from the couch. And so it was a huge choice once you got comfortable to go and get it. And we had the first color TV we had. We couldn't go on a stand. It was one of those monsters that sat on the floor and you had the little turn knobs that would go and they would click. And you had like three or four channels at best. But it was a huge choice to have to get up and walk over there and change the channel and flip through them because, you know, you wanted just to kind of lounge. You know, TV was a much bigger choice. We choose what we're going to eat. We chose this morning what we were going to wear to church. Now, how many of y'all gentlemen uh, made a choice and then your wives looked at you and realized you made a bad choice? A few. Uh, Steve's honest. All right. Thank you, Steve. Well, I, you know, I had a choice. I was something I was going to wear this morning, but then I thought, well, I may be too hot in that, so I, I decided not to wear that. We, we make a choice where we're going to sit. Most of the time, some of y'all are pretty programmed in your head about where you're going to sit, but you did make that choice where you were going to sit. We uh, made a choice during the pandemic. Remember the onset of the pandemic when everything shut down? And the biggest choice we had to make during the day is, is it worth it to take a shower today? Did, how, who had those conversations? Am I really going to see people wear showers, something I really need to do? Do I really need to get out of pandemic gear, pajamas, and all that? 
And then uh, anybody have a record they want to share? How many days you went? Anybody still going? <laughs> you are? Eli? Oh, okay. This, this week we all are going to have a big choice, right? On Tuesday, there's a big choice for our nation. We've got to choose the president. We have to choose what amendments are going to remain law or not become law. We're people who like choices, and today's passage deals with a choice that every individual on this planet has to make, and has major implications for the present, but also for eternity. The choice is this, to choose love in place of judgment, to choose faith in place of fear, to choose light in place of darkness, truth in place of evil, and dependence in place of self-reliance. This is the choice to which Jesus is presenting to Nicodemus on one night in Jerusalem, and the choice that many of us have made, or before we leave here this morning, many of us need to make. Let's begin reading the passage, and we'll walk through it together. Again, we're going to John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, and whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let's pray together before we walk through this. Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you for this incredible opportunity to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ and to be in your presence. It is by your grace we are allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. Thank you for permitting us to sing songs of worship to you whether they were familiar or new songs, Lord, thank You for allowing us to praise You with our tongues. Lord, You know the things we struggle with. You know the things we're wrestling with. You know the things that uh, we are excited about. And thank You that You are a God who knows us intimately. You know everything we need before we even know it. We come before You now, Lord, because there's many here who don't know what they need from this passage. Father, I ask that Your Spirit would just open our ears and our hearts and our minds to hear Your truth, that we may step into the light of Your truth, and that we may enjoy this life You've given us. For those who may be here this morning who have not accepted You as Your Lord and Savior, Father, I do not have the power or the knowledge to bring them to that place, but You do. And so I, I just submit to Your will that Your will would be the only thing done here, that Your kingdom would come, that You would be glorified, that lives would be changed today eternally. And for my brothers and sisters in Christ who've already accepted You, Lord, help us to understand this choice that we have not only decided upon, but this choice that we must deliver to others. Again, thank You for this day. Thank You for what's going to happen in the next couple of minutes as we walk through Your Word and the way you're going to bless us through that. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So choice. I mean, you think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And for Nicodemus, being a Pharisee and being a Jew and being where he lived, there wasn't a whole lot of choice. And so when Jesus is presenting a choice 
to Nicodemus, this would have been a huge change of thought process for him. Nicodemus was born a Jew. He was born an individual of the covenant, but he did not have a choice in being born a Jew, though I doubt he didn't regret that. He was invited at one point in time in his life to be a disciple of another Pharisee, another religious leader. And though he may have had a choice in that situation, any Jewish male to be invited by a religious leader, the choice was obvious. You take the invitation and you become a disciple and you grow up and become a religious leader yourself. Nicodemus was born in a certain area within the Jewish people. He did not have that choice. He was born to a certain tribe. He did not have that choice either. But here as he sits on a balcony most likely in the evening talking with Jesus, Jesus presents this choice that he must make. And everything in his life had been chosen for him in this moment. But now there's this huge choice Nicodemus has to make concerning the identity of the man sitting across from him in Jesus Christ. Again, there's nothing in our passage from verse 1 to verse 21 of chapter 3 that says Nicodemus made a choice on this particular evening. But as we read through the Gospels and as it plays out, we see Nicodemus coming into Jesus' life throughout his ministry. We find him sticking up for Jesus at one point in time amongst the other Pharisees in the Sanhedrin, which he gets ridiculed for. We find him at the tomb of Jesus helping to prepare the body. So at some point in time, Nicodemus thought over this choice. Perhaps he returned to the scriptures to read what Jesus had presented earlier in this chapter. Perhaps he had begun watching Jesus from afar and listening to what people were telling him about what Jesus was doing and what he was saying. But eventually, Nicodemus made a choice and he made the right one. When it comes to choice, you may consider it free will, but first we must understand where the choice originates from. God chose sinful people. That's the first choice. God chose sinful people. Look in verse 16 and 17. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The action of salvation is all about God moving. God is the initiator for sinful people to obtain eternal life. It was God who loved and it was God who gave. God is the agent of salvation and Jesus is the source of it. And what is extraordinary about this verse that many of us have memorized, I've heard millions of times, is the depth of God's love towards sinful creation. The word world means everyone, which would have been different for Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a, a, a Jewish person. He was a, a people of the covenant. But now Jesus is saying, God so loved the world. He loves the Jews, but he loves everyone, even if they aren't a Jew. He loves all of mankind, even though they were sinful. Since Genesis chapter 12, the Jewish people who descended from the line of Abraham were God's chosen instrument to reveal His glory and His holiness into the world. It was their birthright. Nicodemus was living in the birthright of covenant. But salvation is the universal love of God on display. And what's so amazing about this act of love is God knows what is in people. Even after the flood, when God sent the rain waters to wipe and cleanse the earth of all its wickedness, 
God spoke to Noah after the event, and He says, I will never curse the ground again because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. God knew that the flood would not solve the sin problem. It was kind of just a reboot or a restart. And yet here we find in John chapter 3 that even though God knows the intentions of man's heart and knows what is in a man, God still loved man enough to send His Son. God chose to love us. And here in the Gospel of John, God entrusted His Son not only to sinful man, so they might make a choice about Him, but it was God who first chose this method as a means of salvation. The word gave there in verse 16 could also be read as entrusted. In the end of chapter 2, Jesus could not entrust Himself to man because He knew what was in man. But here in John chapter 3, verse 16, God who could not entrust Himself to mankind entrusted His Son for mankind. Jesus came because God entrusted Jesus through His love to save people who are made in His image. The whoever of John 3.16 means anyone and everyone is eligible for this choice. And this is what is amazing. is God did not choose to look at our sinfulness. God did not choose to remind us of all of our past mistakes. All God did is God chose to love us. And through Jesus Christ, God revealed His immeasurable love towards the world so we might be restored back into a relationship with Him. This was Jesus' assigned task. Yet it wasn't our choice to do it this way, but God's. John would write it like this in his first epistle. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Nicodemus was going to have to grasp this understanding. It was not what he could do, but what God was doing for him. He was going to have to grasp this understanding that Paul, who was also a Pharisee, understood as he wrote the believers in Galatia. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God's purpose in sending His only Son was not to destroy the world or humanity. In the New Testament, God's purpose in sending Jesus was not to condemn, but to build a bridge in reconciling the sacrifice for human beings. God's goal has always been the salvation and wholeness of the world. And understanding this idea of choice, we know choice. You know, when I was in elementary uh, I was not the most athletic of kids. I was, you know, horizontally challenged and vertically challenged. I was kind of, you know, roundabout. Let's say that. And so one thing I did not like in elementary because of my athletic ability and lack of being able to move quickly was P.E. and recess. Because in P.E. and recess, what the coaches would do or the teachers would do, you know, teachers kind of just let them go, but you had to pick teams. And so whoever was the cool kid got to pick the team. And so you had two cool kids picking teams. And I was always the kid. It was like the last of the three picked. So I was not the choice, you know. I was, okay, which is going to be the worst option here? That, that was me in elementary and in PE, you know. So they just got stuck with me. Believe it or not, when I first met Jamie, she did not choose me. I know, Right? And it hurt. 
But I prayed long and hard for God to open her eyes so she could see how awesome I was, and it happened. But when we're not chosen, it hurts. When we're not invited to be involved in something, it hurts. But when it comes to salvation, it doesn't matter our past. It doesn't matter our family background. It doesn't matter our race or our wealth or our education or even our current flaws. God chose you. He loves you. He loves you and He chooses you every single time. Salvation is understanding that God chose us before we even had the idea to choose God. But it still leads to a choice that we have to understand. And this is the choice. We either choose God or we choose the world. Verse 18 and 19 says, Whoever believes in Him, being Jesus, is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, or this is the verdict, or this is the indictment, that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. The gospel is the gospel because it means good news. And if you notice in John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21, Jesus begins with the good news. God chose you. God loves you. God gave the incredible gift of His Son. And He hammers this out in 16 and 17. And He brings it all into the world. God chose everyone. And then in verse 18 and 19, He becomes a little more personal. It's still the phrasing of whoever, but this means anyone. Anyone and everyone can believe in Jesus Christ. It comes down to an individual choosing God or choosing the ways of this world. Salvation is always a personal choice on behalf of an individual to either remain attached to this world or become attached to the holiness of God. That's the choice of salvation. I'm going to cling to this or I'm going to cling to that. The word condemnation there in verse 18 means to, could also be read as being judged or to be in judgment. And so what Jesus points out is this choice that we have to make concerning Jesus. We are either choosing to remain in judgment or we are choosing to have no judgment, no, uh, no judgment upon us. It is because we believe who Jesus Christ is to which the judgment is taking off of us. When we're dealing with heaven and eternal life, it's not whether an individual believes in God. You may be here and say, well, I believe there is a God. I've had many conversations, even had one last night with an individual who said they believed in God. But that doesn't guarantee salvation. The Bible says salvation is about believing in the name of the only Son of God. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? That He is your salvation. One commentator points out to believe in a name if someone means to have confidence that that name bears, or that he bears his name rightfully, and that he really is what his name declares he to be. It is believing in the character of who, who Jesus is in Scripture. Jesus said that he is the Messiah. 
He is the anointed one of God. He is the Christ. He said he is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to eternal life. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He said that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, or what we call the Old Testament. And so when we choose to place our faith in the name of Jesus Christ, we are choosing to trust the words of Jesus and who he is as the anointed one of God. So our choosing Choosing of salvation is therefore surrendering to His Lordship. That's the choice we make. We're choosing to live in this world or to live for Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. So to make the choice, we must present it to an individual to understand that if they do not choose Jesus, then they are choosing to remain in condemnation or judgment or to remain in the guilt of their sin. But to trust Jesus, to choose Jesus, is to be pardoned from your sins completely. This is the choice. And many people in this world, unfortunately, do not make the choice to which God presents us. It's because they choose to live in this world. And Paul hits on this. In the opening letter to the believers in Rome, he says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Jesus draws this out in verse 19. The verdict is in. This is the judgment. This is the indictment. That people choose to live a life without God because they choose to live in the ways of this world. And so when we present the gospel, we must understand when we present it, it's still upon the individual to make the choice. They're not choosing whether they like us or not. They're choosing whether they believe God's word. They're choosing whether they want to align themselves to him. They're choosing whether they want to remain in darkness or to come into the light. But many don't because they love the darkness rather than the light. And so this allows us to understand why people make the choices they do. People choose based upon their love. Look in verse 19 through 21 again. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light. You notice how it began in verse 16 that God loved the world and people are making the choice not to accept God's love but instead continue to love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. People reject God because they love this world. They love sin more than God. People choose darkness over light. They choose death over justification. They choose condemnation. And it's sad. But again, we understand the idea of making choices, and we also understand why we make the choices we do. Why do you go, I mean, with all the hundreds or thousands maybe of restaurants that we have available around us, how many of us go to pretty much the same ones all the time? And how many of y'all order pretty much the same thing every time you go to the same place? Yeah. Why do we do that? Because we love that food and we love that place. I mean, we, we would say we prefer it. But the reality is, oh, I just, I love this fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is. Wherever you're, now you're all thinking, where are we going to eat? And, right? <laughs> some of us shop at the same places all the time when we go shopping for clothes. Some, re, some of it is because of price, but not always. 
We tend to like the way the clothes fit on us, the, may, the way they make us look. We prefer, we just, oh, I just, I just love this shirt. Right? We, we watch certain things over and over again because we prefer, but we love those things. We make choices on who we're going to hang out with in our free time. Why? Because we love those people. We love being around them. We love engaging in that relationship. We, we make the choice on what we're going to talk about in those conversations. Why? Because those are the things we love. Those are the things we prefer. When it comes to eternal life, people choose based upon their love. They either have a love for truth or they have a love for the illusions of this world. And we, as God's people, do the same thing when we choose to live in obedience to God or to live out our sinful temptations. We're choosing in that moment what we are going to love. And so we have to understand, to bring others into the reality of this choice, it's a choice of love. John writes in 1 John chapter 2 that the world is passing away. It's dying and all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God will abide forever. What is the will of God? The will of God is that all people would be saved by accepting His gift of love. This choice has huge implications in our understanding of God. There is no greater example of God's love than understanding that God has absolute power and absolute authority over all things, all creation and all people. And yet He permits those who have been created in His image and likeness to choose Him or not to choose Him. God's gift of salvation is love. God's gift of faith is in love. God's gift of free will, though it can be detrimental to people, is because He loves them. God who could step into every human being's life and force them to submit to His, his rule and His power doesn't. He relents. He holds back. And we see this play out in the Old Testament. When God called His people out of slavery, out of bondage, He gave them everything they needed to live a life that was successful, found in His Word. But then He gave them the choice to live by it or reject it. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that God's people rejected it. And the same thing happens today when we present the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, and people reject it there are going to be consequences of that rejection. They are not only going to be judged when they enter into eternity, but the Bible says they are living in judgment right now. Why are people so hesitant? Well, in verse 20, Jesus points out why people are hesitant to choose God's love. He says, lest His works, that word works means deeds, His actions should be exposed. See, to come to the light of Jesus and come to salvation means we have to reveal our true nature, which without Jesus Christ is an enemy of God. We have to come to the place that we admit that there are things in our life that aren't the way they should be. We have shame and we have sin and we have to come to a place of confession. We have to bring that into the light. And that puts a lot of fear in people's eyes. But Jesus lays out the choice and the results of the choice like this. To choose Jesus 
is to be free from judgment. But to reject Jesus is to remain in judgment. To choose Jesus is to come into the light and understand truth. And not relative truth, absolute truth. But to reject Jesus is to remain in the darkness and only know the lies of this world. To choose Jesus is to be given eternal life, but to reject Jesus is to perish or to have a never-ending separation from the love of God. That's what the word perish means in verse 16. And people wrestle with this because this is what it comes down to. They're choosing either to live in fear or to live in faith. The Bible tells us, again in 1 John chapter 4, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. And who is perfect? Come on, Sunday school answer. Who is perfect? Jesus. There you go. Jesus casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so when I understand that God loves me, He chose to love me, and I accept God's love for me, and I choose to love God back, I become perfected in the love that God has for me and for His Son, Jesus Christ. By our faith in God's love, we are no longer living in fear or even to have fear because of this. We are no longer under the holy judgment of God. When you see God face to face, and we all will one day, no matter where we stand with Him in this moment, if you are covered by the blood of the Lamb and Jesus Christ, if your faith is in Christ alone, all God sees is Christ's perfection upon you. You are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And so he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And we'll be thinking, what about all those times I messed up? And he said, I didn't see those. All I saw was my perfection upon you. I love you and you chose to love me and it doesn't mean we did it perfect all the time but when we come to faith in Christ the evidence of our salvation isn't what we've done to get to that place but it's to know that God has done everything because verse 21 it was carried out by God in other words our salvation and our faith in Christ has been performed and accomplished perfect perfectly by God, so that we, an imperfect people, no longer have to live in fear. This is what we come to conclude concerning the choice in accepting God's salvation. We are either one or the other. We are either born again or we are dead in our sins. We have either come to the light or we are still in darkness. We are either saved from condemnation and judgment or we are under condemnation and judgment. And here's the thing. There's no middle ground. It's one or the other. This is the absolute truth for all people. Salvation is the universal truth that we as God's people have to continue to present boldly. And we come to a place now in the service where we all must make the decision that the Israelites had to make when they were led by Joshua into the Promised Land. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose this day whom you will serve. What are we going to love in our life? What is going to be our devotion? What are we going to worship? What are we going to talk about? What are people going to see out of our life? What is the evidence that we understand God's love for us? 
Jesus said there should be evidence of our salvation. It's called fruit. But have you made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning? Is there evidence of that choice? Are you here right now and you need to make the choice to no longer be in condemnation, no longer be in judgment, but to be found in the righteousness of Christ? The Bible's pretty clear about how this is done. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room that didn't have that problem. We all sin. We all do things that are not up to God's holy standard. We miss the mark. We shoot air balls every time towards righteousness. And the wages or the cost of that sin is death. That death means eternal separation from God. It's the word perish in John 3.16. But God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, and whoever would believe in Him would not perish. So we must come to this place where we admit that we are sinner before a holy God. And we must believe that Jesus paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross and rising again. And the Bible says, when I believe that in my heart to be true, and I step into the light confessing my sin, and I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, the Bible gives this incredible promise. You will be saved. You will be saved. Are you here this morning and that's what you need to do? Has the Spirit revealed to you you are living in the judgment of God and you need to change that this morning by choosing God's love? Maybe you're here and you just need to pray, God, help me to be the evidence of your love to this world. I'm going to ask Jackson and Bridget to come up and lead us in song. We're going to pray together. I'm going to be down here. It's a time of invitation. I'm going to invite you to come. If you need to accept Jesus, you just need to come and kneel and pray before God. This is the time where we not just become hearers of God's word, God's word, but doers. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us. Lord, thank you for choosing a sinner like me to be in a position like this. Lord, thank you that you are continuing to do a good work in all of us this morning. And Lord, forgive us when we have not displayed your love to this world, the love that can only change this world. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning that has come to the realization their eyes have been opened to see that they are not in a relationship with you, that they are not saved. Lord, that you would give them the courage to walk down the aisle and let that be known. That they would come forward and confess you as their Lord and Savior. From our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that are out in the world and they're sharing of your love. Father, give us a boldness. Give us the opportunities, open doors where we can share about how much you love all people. Lord, just thank you for this time and allow it be in your word. Study it together to be sharpened. I pray your will and your glory be done in this time. Praise all in the name of Jesus.